Learn the most advanced recruiting techniques. Land the most desirable talent. Launch your company towards massive success. This is the Higher Power Radio Show with Rick Gerard. To cultivate employee engagement, focus on performance management and personal development. I'm Rick Gerard, and welcome to the Higher Power Radio Show. We help entrepreneurs and executives land the right hire. Our mission is to share insights from top performing rebel entrepreneurs, disruptors, and industry experts like our guest today, Mr. Michael Cato. He is the CEO of Management Action Programs. Michael and two business partners launched Restaurants on the Run with a mere $6,000, and his company experienced explosive growth after Michael attended a workshop hosted by Management Action Action programs map. After selling the business valued at 12 times EBITDA, Michael seized an almost uncanny opportunity to purchase the very coaching firm that helped him transform his own leadership and business development. He bought MAP in 2017 and is now serving as its CEO. Michael gives back and pays forward what he learns. He has been a member of Entrepreneurs Organization and has served as a past global chairman. The balance truly matters as well, fueling his unstoppable energy, direction, and focus, a discipline that he transpires into positive action, producing results both on the job and at home, which is what makes Michael the perfect guest for today's topic. Michael, welcome to the Higher Power Radio Show. Great to be here. It's always hard to listen to people Stuff talk about, about you. Yourself. Yeah, it's kind of like, okay, I know. let's just listen. I'm a dad. <laughs> I'm a happily married man for almost 20 years. I've got three boys, 12, 13, and 15. And that's pretty much what I'm doing. I love it. You're humble. That's so cool. <laughs> Today, we're discussing performance management and development. Yep. We're going to talk about what it is, why it should matter to you, how it correlates to the hiring process, and how how it curtails into the success of your company. Michael's going to share with us five steps to build a stronger organization. Sound like a plan? Let's go. Let's, Let's do go. it. The roots of a successful company, an engaged team, to me, start with your hiring process. You're a process guy. You're into performance. I don't think enough is put into the hiring process. It's kind of like a makeshift, lackadaisical thing for most companies where they really don't put the effort into it. And the problem is that it's giving a snapshot of how your company's run, one. And then second, it's demonstrating your commitment to performance. If you don't have something, then you're telling, in fact, everybody that you have interviewed at the company that you're just not that serious about it. Absolutely. I love the saying that people are the only sustainable competitive advantage. Okay. People Ooh, are the that. only sustainable competitive advantage, which means you got to do a couple things really good. When you're a startup and you're growing or you're under 20, 30 people, whatever it may be, it's like you have what you have. Like you brought in people before you knew that hiring was really important. Like I was saying, there's two important parts. So if you're at that point, the most important part is development. You got to develop your people. You got to performance management because some of them are either going to be coached up or coached out or moved into a different position. That's always stable. But as you progress and as you mature as a business, as a leader, as a CEO, as a manager, you start realizing, wait a second, I've got to get this hiring thing right because it's really a pain in the ass if you hire the wrong person. Oh yeah. Just take out of it that their performance is impacting the performance of the company. Take that out for a second and say, what's that person doing to culture? Meaning you've got other eight players, you've got winners. Winners want to be around winners. They want to be inspired. If you've got people that aren't holding their own, you got a problem with your culture and your engagement of your eight players. And by keeping them, you're actually giving the signal that that's okay. It's okay to be a slacker and not be a high performer. Can't do it. Which again, like you just said, it's going to run out all your A players. I've seen that happen time and time again. Or 
and and or you're going to like hate your life because <laughs> you're going to be dealing with political shit. You're going to be dealing with the organization not moving at the pace you want it to move at. And that's a problem. Worse, added on to that is now you start feeling like you've got to compensate. You've got to overcompensate. You've got to do more work. You're having more conversations. You're making more excuses. If you have investors, you're screwed. When you're a small startup in your 20s and you have nothing to lose and you don't have a family or a wife and you've got a little bit of time to make some mistakes and really put it together, you can put in all the time you need to. But as you progress as a business, those mistakes add up. You do not have time on your side. Let's talk a little bit about how that translates to performance. What are the challenges that we're facing today? We've got a pandemic. We've got a lot of things that are outside of our control. I think when we talked the other day, you called it non-market forces. There's a lot of listeners have probably heard of the five forces by Michael Porter out of Harvard, where you look at your industry configuration and the forces that affect that industry configuration, competitors, new entrants, threat of substitution, direct competition, and so forth. But there's also non-market. Non-market are things like COVID, yeah. are things like government shutdowns, are things like fires. social changes, fires. Those are non-market forces that if you don't consider those things as you're building your business, you're going to get blindsided. You're going to have a serious problem on your hands. I fear that there was a lot of companies that are blindsided by this whole thing, especially in the very beginning. I mean, I think we all were yeah. pretty blindsided. I'm yeah. sure there was a, a few companies out there that looked overseas and said, what's this little thing happening in China? I wonder if that could hit the US. Let's just start prepping for it. Well, I mean, a lot of companies probably did because they were impacted. Their supply chain started to get impacted yeah. because of the shutdown in China. And so they saw it coming. Why is this important to an entrepreneur or an executive? Why should you even really care about performance and taking care of your people? <laughs> to me, like if you just ladder it up all the way, I say it's about engagement, but that's a big word. Everybody's like, engage this, engage that. To me, engagement is something kind of specific. Engagement is when your people, your team are giving maximum effort towards the vision of the company. We all ask that. We're all asking our employees to do that. But here's the problem. That's only 50% of it. The other half of it is how often are we talking to them and saying, what's your vision for the future? Where do you want to go? Not just here, but where do you want to go? Like you're 25 years old, you're 35 years old, however old you are. Where do you want to be in 10 years, 15 years? And how often do we ask that question and then make sure that the things that we're doing with them from a development perspective are driving them towards their vision? You know when that conversation happens? When that person comes to give notice. It happens it's too late. Yeah, absolutely. I always tell a story. I remember I had a kid. I call him a kid because I'm 52. Back then I was probably 42 and he was like 22. His name was Andrew. He comes in and he's cocky, hot shot, knows digital media really well. I started talking with him and I knew he was not going to be here forever. And he told me, he goes, I want to start a business someday. And I'm like, you should. And I go, I'll do whatever I can to support you, whatever it takes. You stay here as long as you want. Anything that I can do to help you build your business when you're done or along the way, I will. It's that attitude that makes a difference. That kid ran through walls for us, was super passionate. So to recap, we're asking them to drive, put their efforts towards our vision of the company. Yeah. We have to do the same for them. That cross, okay, that spot where that crosses, that's full engagement in my mind. It's not foosball tables. It's not tanning rooms, <laughs> nap rooms, any of that shit. Man, okay? I'm so glad you said that because I think people get confused with it. Those are perks. And, and benefits, I hear benefits people sell all day long that you'll retain your people longer if you have great benefits. That's bullshit. It's not true. I, I mean, there are certain things. I mean, these, in this day and age, healthcare is a big issue. So it's like, yeah, that goes a long way. But at the end of the day, all that stuff can be commoditized. If you're a high performer, you've got options. And guess what? All those options come with salary. They come with benefits and so on and so forth. Absolutely. Okay, but they don't automatically come with engagement. They don't automatically come with working for a manager, which it really comes down to the manager, not the company. Come 
company's got to support it. But you know, the saying people leave bosses, not companies. You as a manager or a leader have to have that attitude with your team. What about the concept of moving toward growth and innovation? We came out of a time where everybody was really just trying to figure out what's going on. I think we're a little bit through that now. Don't you think it's important at this point to really focus in on now demonstrating that your company is riding through this, they're growing and riding that wave to foster engagement? Yeah. And listen, I don't know what we're through right now. I wish I did. I just remember when it all happened and we could talk about the crisis, how you deal with that. But I think innovation can be a byproduct of that engagement. There's a couple of places I could go with this right now, but I think the first place I'll go is psychological safety. And I go back to that test that Google did a couple of years ago on what makes the most effective teams. And like, I think it was the number one thing was psychological safety within the room of that team. So I go back, you said earlier, it's like, Hey, I attended this map, take management action programs, turn it into map. I attended the map workshop 20 years ago. And that was the beginning of me transforming as a leader. And I subsequently bought the company. That workshop I went to, that was really just a deep dive. By the way, map still does those workshops. They've been doing them for 40 years. It's happening today, Tuesday. Yeah. Tomorrow, there's one every month here in Newport. It's not a plug. I just wanted to tell you what it did. I went to that three day fully immersive workshop and it was a deep dive on me. It was me understanding where I was good, where I was bad. 360 with my peers, with my direct reports, my partners. I came into that room with that 360 feedback. They had it on the wall. It was a small group of 10. We commented, we gave each other feedback. I walked out of there knowing where I was good, where I was bad, where I wanted to change, where I didn't want to change, what my strengths were. I was good at maybe energy, enthusiasm, horrible at accountability, but I knew it. And then when I went back to my office, I was able to show people, I was able to show them. And this is what I'm learning. This is me. And this is what I'm going to do to get better. As soon as I did that with my team, I created this psychological safety within that team. So the point I'm making that as a leader, in order to create psychological safety, do that 360 on yourself. Share where you're good, share where you're bad with your team so that they feel comfortable talking and being open in the room with you. If people are the only sustainable competitive advantage and you've got great people, you better not be pushing them down. You better let them get everything out without any fear of consequence. Yeah, it's your job to elevate them. That's how innovation happens. Innovation starts with engagement because engagement leads to communication and candor. And that's where great things can happen. Also, it starts with you and the self-introspection and the emotional intelligence to be able to say, hey, here's where I'm weak. I really need to work on it. You you got to put your ego aside. Got to put it aside. I was challenged by one of my investors and I had to make a decision whether I was going to listen to his advice or not. I could have walked away, but I chose to listen. I didn't know what I was going to do when he told me some things about my leadership, but I proceeded to then talk to my CEO peers and decided to go to this program to do the deep dive on myself. That's awesome. You're listening to the Higher Power Radio Show. I'm your host, Rick Gerard. And for our podcast listeners, we're going to take a quick educational moment from our sponsors. Check out stridesearch.com. There you'll find additional content and resources to help you land great hires. Our guest today is Michael Cato. He is the CEO of MAP. And we're talking about engagement. We talked a little bit about why it's important to your company now. Let's talk about how we do it. I think you shared with me a five-step process. And we've been kind of hinting on it. But for somebody who's not really aware of what they need to be doing, maybe they're on the cusp of it. Or maybe you're just in heads-down mode trying to build your organization, reacting to getting work done. What do we need to put in place in order for us to actually make sure that we're engaging our people and getting the best performance out of everybody? There's two things. So high level. First thing I say is engagement. I talked about what it looks like, the intersection. But the actual nuts and bolts of executing it, to me, comes down to two things, performance management and development. And what I mean by that, 
Performance management is people want to know how they win. They want to know the guardrails. They want to know how they can celebrate. That's just normal. And that's created with structure because you have job descriptions, job matrices, whatever you want to call them. You have incentives. People know exactly what they're being measured on and how they win. That structure. We love it. We're creatures. That's the first thing, performance management. How do we win? Second thing, development. It's like that gets back to what I said earlier. People want to know that you're supporting them in where they want to go, whether it's their career here or whether it's someplace else. They want to know that you're investing in them. So when you get performance management, how people win, with development, helping them get to where they want to go, you get engagement, period. Very, very true. So that's how I view it. That's the creation so it, of it. In a nutshell, let's put the pieces in place though so that they understand what do I need to do to really do that? So we talked about accepting the reality of who you are, yep. where your gaps are, being vulnerable. Then what do you do? You're going to have to talk to your team. You're going to have to really open up and communicate, right? Yeah, you do. So it's like the five-step thing you're talking about, I'll talk about mm -hmm. in a second because that kind of is specific to things that we're dealing with now and what can help create some of this as a leader. Outside of that vacuum, if you say you start with the psychological safety and then you move down to them and you're like, a performance management system is really just goal setting, people understanding what they're trying to achieve. So the way we always did it was we would goal set on a month to month basis. At the executive level, we're setting goals every single month and we're getting together once a month and saying, how'd we do? And what corrective action step do we need to take? And what are the new goals we're going to set? I mean, it's simple. That's all it is. Now, of course, it ties into the company plans and cascades through the organization. But at the team level, we're just getting together once a month and we're talking about the business, what's working, what's not working. We're looking at the key metrics or vital factors of the company or for our team. And we're looking at our goals and we're holding each other accountable and helping each other have breakthroughs. Right in that little peer-to-peer -peer meeting that I'm having with my direct reports of my team, we've created accountability. We've created performance management. We've created finish lines for people so that we can celebrate them as a group. I've heard the argument, but we're a startup. We don't know what we're going to be doing next month. It's true. Is that bullshit? No, because I think in a startup, the faster you pulse, the faster you can change and grow. And so in a startup, you still got the same concept. Goals might be harder because you're still trying to figure out everything to measure. So instead of monthly, you're getting together weekly and you have a weekly accountability meeting. And so you may not be goal setting against revenue, some other targets that you're still trying to figure out, but there's action steps and action plans that you guys are working on every week. In fact, sometimes you're doing it every day. Most companies will have a daily huddle. What's your number one thing today? Yep. But at the weekly level, the closer you are to starting up at any level, the faster you pulse, quicker you can change and learn. Yeah. But monthly is great for goal setting. Bringing it down weekly is great for that weekly meeting of what you need to get done in the next five to seven days. So at the very minimum, you should be setting at least a couple goals, even if you are a startup, just to make sure that you're in the habit of doing that. Yes. So we work with... At the entrepreneurs organization, we have a program called the Accelerator where we mentor accelerators that are under a million dollars in revenue. So they're emerging entrepreneurs. And so we focus on what are you trying to get done as a company for the quarter? And then of course, how could you bring that down to monthly? How could you bring that down to weekly? Because you're moving really quick. So that's a little bit of the performance management side of it. Remember, I said, it's about performance management. How do I win? And then it's about development. And the development is just the most important thing we can do with development is that pulse that we have with our direct reports once a week, that 45 minute meeting where we're talking about them and we're listening. How are they? doing? Where are they stuck? What ideas do they have? What connections do you? Well, how can I help you? How are you doing on projects that you're working on? That's the type of one-to-one -one connecting point that a person on your team needs. We all need it. You tapped into a key thing too, listening. Not talking, but listening. I find it doesn't happen too often. What do you say to somebody who's an executive who's like, I really don't care. I just want them to do their work. Well, listen, that's not sugarcoated. That's going to happen. So the smart executive is going to fake it. Sorry to say it, but you know what? Not everybody's going to have empathy all the time. Not everybody is going to care that much all the time. There's hired guns that they just want to come in and drive performance. Well, guess what? They can fake it. They can have that meeting. They can smile. They can listen. They can really truly help that person. But at the end of the day, they may not like it or even care, but they know that it's got to get done. Now, if they're faking it bad and the direct report, your teammate catches it, it's like, you know, 
you're in trouble because I think here's the deal, whether you fake it or not, we owe it to our people to support them and help them get to where they want to get. They want to win. We've got to help them get there because what it does, just like kids, it builds self-confidence. And our job as leaders is to build their self-confidence, not only for today and tomorrow, but for next week, next month, next year, whatever they're doing. It's just like coaching little kids. I tell coaches that I work with, I'm like, our most important job is not teaching them how to play baseball. Our most important job is looking for that moment to build their self-confidence. And that never ends. I need it. I was on a call this morning with someone that I'm working with and she's coaching me and I'm like, I needed her reinforcement just to come here today and feel good and feel confident. Really? So just think, I mean, really suck today. Maybe I do. No, Maybe no. I the, more of a call the worst part about this show is a host. You're great. <laughs> so it's like, we all need that boost of self-confidence. So anyways, that's the one-to-one coaching that builds their self-confidence that helps get them going in the right direction. And you can introduce development tools in that session. So performance management as a team works development as an individual. I mean, you can cross over, but that's how those things come together yeah. and create high performance. Well, the truth is that the individual doesn't really care about your goals. They care about themselves first mm-hmm. and you better take care of them. You should 100% have their backs and help develop them. When you help somebody else, it only helps everybody. I exactly. Mean, What's the there's point? There's no bad that comes from that. Have you ever heard bad that came from listening to your employees and, and uh, yeah. helping them develop personally? You need to talk to my 13-year-old. He thinks life just revolves around him. I'm like, what about helping other people? He goes, I got to help myself. Why do I got to help other people? And I'm like, okay, there's some truth to the fact that you need to get yourself centered <laughs> and core strong so that you can actually effectively help other people. But he's like, I just got to take care of myself, dad. I'm like, no, well, we got a long way to go, bro. <laughs> Let's go camping. Uh, yeah. Let's talk about that five-step plan. So, so So this is really more of like, obviously we're all in the middle of a crisis at various stages of it. It's been good for some companies, horrible for others and kind of nothing for some. Well, I shouldn't say nothing because we've all been affected, especially if we have employees. But early on, when this happened in the beginning, I fortunately and unfortunately had the experience of going through the global financial crisis in 2008, nine, the internet bubble or whatever it was called in 01. But the 09 one was big and we made a lot of mistakes. Myself and my team, we tried to look at those mistakes that we made then. I shared what we had done. And so when COVID hit right now, I kind of looked at it from five steps. Number one was I as the CEO had to really look at the business and everything and say, I had to accept reality. This is what's going on right now. These are the brutal facts as Jim Collins calls it. So at first step was me. Again, it always starts with you. It feels like I have to just get a hold of this thing and realize, okay, we got a problem. Second thing was talking to my employees, being honest, empathy. Yeah, we're having a problem. I know you're having a problem too, personally, because we're all affected. That to me was kind of like the second step. The third step was me looking at this and saying, there's got to be an envisioned future. So I've got to be able to talk about something beyond today. So yeah, I had to get stability in the business because I couldn't even get to this envisioned future thing. So as I'm going through step one and two, as a team, we're working on, well, how do we get stable from a cash perspective? Because at that point, cash was king. Okay. But at the same time, I'm like, okay, I've got to be able to paint a better future to the company. High level vision, where we might go. The next step in that process, number four was I had to engage the team and like, how are we going to get there? I think we want to go over here, but like, how are we getting there? And what I was saying to them in essence was our why as a company isn't changing. We still love to drive performance of individuals, teams, and companies. That's not changing, but how we execute that's going to change. So we're going in this direction. Our why is the same. Our how is changing. Your how is changing. We all have to get better. So how are we going to change the how of the company? What's that look like? So we work on that together. That's step four. And step five is circling back accountability. All of us regularly meeting and talking about how we're doing against these things that we said we wanted to do. Not that different than a normal process. It's just, it's heightened. You have to be very deliberate, especially about step one and two. Well, especially about step two, the empathetic, the listening to your people. 
that's probably the most important part right now. And I think it's almost the most important step, even in a good economy. And that just gets swept under the rug a lot of times. Yep. Tying that to your, again, back to engagement to me starts at the interview process. And if you want people to really come in and be leaning into your company and join your company because they see the value in it, it starts there. You're going to have to listen to them. You have to really understand what value you bring to them as opposed to what they can do for you. Exactly. Because if they truly are to bring it all the way full circle, if people are truly the only sustainable competitive advantage, then how are you going to engage them and build a championship caliber team? That is so true. I mean, there's been so many companies that have failed because they don't have the talent base, but then you have companies that succeed because they have just a phenomenal team and an okay product. Listen, they have a team. And, and if you describe what that team looks like, you're like, hey, they have a common vision. They all understand their role. They're practicing their role. Number three, number four, they're confident enough in themselves to give encouragement and props and recognition to their teammates without feeling like, oh, I'm taking away from myself. And number five, they celebrate. They celebrate the wins. That's a championship team. Hopefully that's the Buffalo Bills this year in the NFL. So, <laughs> There's your football plug. Michael, what would be two or three key takeaways that you can give the audience that they can plug into their business today? You know, I thought about this a little bit, actually. A lot of times I don't think, I just talk. Actually, no, I don't. I, I think and, every once in a while as well. And I think I kind of <laughs> covered them. If I, my first key takeaway would be what I said. It's like, number one, we as CEOs, forget CEOs, we as leaders, Leaders, we as managers, okay, because if we don't think managers or leaders were crazy, managers are leaders, period. And we as leaders, managers, as dads, as husbands, we've got to do a deep dive as friends, as sons. We got to brothers. We got to do a deep dive on ourselves and understand what makes us tick and be really real with who we are and understand, be confident enough to take that deep dive so we know where we can get better and where we don't want to change, what our strengths are. That's number one. Yeah. Number two would be I talked about performance management. I talked about goals. Every company needs a goal setting system in their business, period. How are you going to even evaluate talent. So you think you've got the right people on the bus. You think you've hired great. If you don't give them how they're going to win and then measure it on a, some sort of goal setting system in your business, you're not going to know how they're doing. It's all just soft. I feel like it's mostly optimistic hiring that goes on. Exactly. This and person you, brings the right skills and gosh, he did really well over at XYZ Corporation. So let's hope he does well here. Exactly. Or no, she does well here. You've got to have a way to measure performance, which gets back to that goal setting system. And then I say the third key takeaway is I just highlighted it loosely, but I said, you got to have a coach. Like everybody needs a coach. Kobe Bryant had a coach. LeBron James has a coach. Tom Brady used to have his coach on the sidelines. I mean, his personal coach. You know, we have coaches in areas of our life. I mean, I did a TEDx talk called It Takes a Village. Uh, you can find it. It Takes a Village. You know, Michael Cato, TEDx. I talked for eight minutes about the challenges that I went through and how I had a little team around me in my business, coaches in my business life, accountability in my business life, personal and family. And so we all need it. If the best athletes can have it, why can't we? Yeah, I totally agree. We're just about out of time for today's Great. show. Michael, thanks so much for your time investment Pleasure. today. And I want to welcome it. you to the Higher Power Radio community. What would be the best way in which members of our community can reach you, find out more about you and your company and maybe your workshop tomorrow. Oh, that's right. Yeah. So the workshops we do every <laughs> month, we've got one coming up every month, October, November here in Newport. Mapconsulting.com is a great place to start. Okay. Our website. And if you need to reach me, you can reach me at mc at mapconsulting.com. Perfect. And we'll link all that in the show notes. Thank you for tuning into this week's episode of Higher Power. A quick thanks to our team, Brian Colburn, Andrea Ballin, and Ayla Gerard. If you're listening to the podcast, please subscribe, review, and share. We welcome your feedback. So drop me an email at rickatstridesearch.com if you want to yell at me or give me some props. Dude, actually... you're, you're great. You're doing great stuff, bro. Thank you very much for having me. <laughs> Thank you so much. I really and you appreciate You look beautiful that. with that head. I love your style. I know. 
know, you know, I keep admiring yours as well. Thank you. <laughs> so you can join the Higher Power Radio community at Higher, that's H-I-R-E, Power, P-O-W-E-R, Radio, R-A-D-I-O.com, or drop me an email at rickatstridesearch.com. Tune in next Tuesday. Our guest is going to be Dan Moore. He is the co-founder and CEO of Vaporware. I'm Rick Gerard, your host. You've been listening to the Higher Power Radio Show. Aloha. Thank you for listening to Higher Power Radio. Catch our LinkedIn Live show every Tuesday at noon or download the podcast on iHeartRadio, iTunes, YouTube, or your favorite podcast platform. We appreciate you joining us on Higher Power Radio with your guide to recruitment success. Rick Turner.